Before the podcast starts, I just wanted to say I'm so thrilled and excited by the uptick in my listenership. I hope that you who listen to and enjoy the podcast will help me keep the momentum going by rating and reviewing the podcast, telling your friends about the podcast, following me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, checking out the show notes page every week, which always features a complete set list and magnificent photos that I really enjoy collecting. You can find that at countermelodypodcast.com, and you might also consider becoming a Patreon subscriber. If you really want to do that, and I could so use your support, please go to patreon.com slash countermelody. There you can support me for any amount from $2 a month on up or $25 a year on up, which will gain you access to all of the bonus material that I have thus far posted. I'm going to do my very best to get a couple new episodes out this week and next. I hope I can make that happen. Meanwhile, here's this week's very special episode. Welcome to Counter Melody, the podcast on great singers and great singing. As always, I am your host, Daniel Gundlach. No preaching here, no lecturing, well, maybe just a tiny bit of each, but the primary spotlight will always be on the singers that enrich and enhance our lives, no matter what is going on in the world around us. Thanks for joining me. This week's episode. Guys, it's spring. My favorite magnolia tree has just burst into bloom, and I'm awfully thrilled about it. What better way to welcome in the season than with Lisa de la Casa singing from Richard Strauss's four last songs, Frühling, set to a text by Hermann Hesse in this live recording from Salzburg in the summer of 1958. Karl Böhm and the Wiener Philharmoniker accompany the exquisite soprano.
Lisa de la Casa is a favorite singer of my dear friend David. Speaking of David, he and I, gosh, I guess it was almost two months ago now, took a trip to Zurich, and we had a wonderful time there, and I was inspired to put together an episode on Swiss singers. I've been wanting to do this for a while, and it's particularly interesting because we have singers who specialize in the German repertoire, the French repertoire, sometimes even the Italian repertoire. And of course, there's also the contrast between opera singer and concert singer, which of course includes Lieder and Melodie as well. All these different repertoires, and sometimes the boundaries even overlap. Lisa della Casa was certainly one of the most beloved singers of her era, and she was primarily a Mozart Strauss soprano, as we've just heard. But she'll be back in different repertoire somewhat later in the program. But meanwhile, I want to pay tribute to yet another ex-boyfriend... <laughs> <laughs> That's my friend Tim Carney, who has become the world's expert on the following piece. Hermann Suter's incredible oratorio, Le Laudi di San Francesco d'Assisi, written by the Swiss composer Hermann Suter. Hermann Suter lived from 1870 to 1926. He began his career in Zurich and was director of the Basel Conservatory from 1918 to 1921. Le Laudi was written in the summer of 1923 and premiered in Basel the following year, two years before Suter's untimely death of only 56. So here's the connection between Tim and Hermann Suter. Tim discovered this piece many, many years ago when we lived in Northfield, Minnesota together, right after I graduated from college. And it was St. Francis Day, and Minnesota Public Radio played this very movement from the piece, which I'm going to play for you right now. And we were together in the car, and we both lost our minds at the exquisite piece that we were hearing and not inconsequentially sung with such incredible beauty. So Le Laudi di San Francesco is a setting of St. Francis of Assisi's Canticle of the Sun, and it's broken into various movements, of which this one, paying tribute to Sister Moon and the accompanying stars, is the second. We hear all four of the soloists in this movement, beginning with one of my very favorite singers of all time, Edith Matis. The mezzo-soprano is Norma Proctor. The tenor is another Swiss singer, Eric Tapie. And the bass is another Swiss singer, Fernando Corena. The Orchester der Basler Orchestergesellschaft and the Basler Gesangsverein are led by the conductor Hans Münch. And here, as we first heard it so many years ago, is the complete second movement of Hermann Suter's Le Laudi.
The bass that we heard in that performance, Fernando Corena, was, despite the Italian-sounding name, in fact, born in Switzerland. His father was Turkish and his mother Italian, and he grew up speaking French. For those who don't remember him today, he was celebrated as the best basso buffo of his day, and was compared with predecessors like Salvatore Baccaloni and Mariano Stabile. But it can't really be disputed that he actually had a much better voice than either of them. Now, by the time this recording of Le Laudi was made in 1968, he was already in his 50s, and you may have noticed he's not sounding completely vocally secure. So, as a counter to that, I'd like to play you a recording from his absolute prime in 1956 of a rare aria from Charles Gounod's opera Philemon et Bossis. The aria is called Au bruit des lourds marteaux, and it allows you to hear both his flexibility and his buffo capabilities as well. We're going to hear accompanying him the Orchestre de la Suisse Romande, led here by James Walker. Another Swiss singer that we heard in the Suta was the tenor Eric Tapie. He was born in May 1931 and is still with us, so next month he will celebrate his 91st birthday. In his heyday, he was justly celebrated for his portrayals of Mozart heroes, in particular Tito in Clemenza di Tito and Idomeneo. He also was a Monteverdi singer. His Monteverdi roles were Nerone in Coronazione di Popea and Orfeo in the opera of the same title. In 1960, he appeared in that role in a recording conducted by the Swiss conductor Michel Corbeau's. And then, nearly 20 years later, he appeared again with Corbeau's in a remake 
in which he sang the role of Apollo, who comes to Orfeo at the end of the opera and escorts him to heaven. And so, because I'm always pulling little gimmicks like this, I'm going to start with the later recording from 1986, in which the role of Orfeo, which is cast with either a baritone or a tenor, is here taken by the French-Canadian baritone Gino Quilico, whom we heard a few episodes back singing Escamillo to the Carmen of Maria Ewing. Once we get into the actual duet portion of this scene, I'm switching to the 1968 recording in which Apollo appears in the person of the German tenor Theo Altmaier. Dal dolor in preda, così ti danno figlio. Non è, non è consiglio di generoso petto, servi al proprio. Della morte orridita 
hear too much traditional opera today. In fact, I think the next selection that we're going to hear is the last standard rep operatic aria that we're going to hear today. But I did want to present this singer, another Swiss tenor, because I know he's a particular favorite of one of my of one of my most faithful listeners. This is Libero de Luca. He was born in 1913 and died in 1998. He first trained as a baritone, but then retrained as a tenor and won first prize in a voice competition in Geneva in 1941. From there, he joined the ensemble at the Zurich Opera, and toward the end of his tenure there, he began appearing at such venues as the Teatro Colón in Buenos Aires, the Teatro San Carlo in Napoli, or as a person very close to me would insist on saying Napoli, at Covent Garden, and as a guest in Brussels, Munich, and Vienna. Beginning in 1949 and until his retirement from singing in 1961, he was the featured tenor at the Opéra Comique. It was during this time that he made a number of recordings for London Records, opposite such French phenomena at the time as Janine Michaud, Suzanne Juillol, and even Mado Robin. I don't find him to be a flawless singer, but the thing that I liked best that I was listening to this week was him singing The Dream of Des Grieux from Manon, a role that he recorded complete in 1951, opposite Janine Michaud under the auspices of the Opéra Comique. And you hear in a very, very short interjection, Janine Michaud as Manon. Albert Wolf, whom we heard in the Puccini en Francais episode a few weeks ago, is the conductor. En fermant les yeux, je vois là-bas une humble retraite, une maison nette. 
tête toute blanche au fond des bois. Sous ces tranquilles Next, I'm going to feature another tenor, but a tenor of the most particular kind. This is Hugues Quenot, who lived, get this people, from 1902 to 2010. That means that at the time of his death, he was indeed 108 years old. Not only did he have longevity of life, he had longevity of voice, making his debut at the Met as Emperor Altum in Turando at the age of 84. He had an enormously wide repertoire, ranging from Guillaume de Machaut through Igor Stravinsky, who composed two different works, The Rake's Progress and The Cantata, with Crino's voice in mind. Crino's interpretations of Monteverdi and Cavalli, in particular, were legendary. I featured him before on my Voiceless Wonders episode, and indeed, he was a voiceless wonder, and there was no shame in that. I know that once he said in an interview, how could I have lost my voice? I had no voice to lose. Something along that order. Indeed, while it's not always perfectly in tune, his emotional engagement is so complete that it boggles the mind. 
I could do a whole episode on him, and I probably will do so in the very near future, but today I'm going to offer only two selections, the first of which was a recording he made for Radio Suisse Romande in 1953 with the composer Francis Poulenc at the keyboard. This is the first of Poulenc's banalité called the Chanson d'Organise. I hope that you will be as beguiled and enchanted as I am by Crino's voice, but even more so than that, his sense of fun and his complete engagement with the nonsensical text. Par les portes d'Orcanise, veut entrer un charretier. Par les portes d'Orcanise, veut sortir un vanupier. Et les gardes de la ville courent sur au vanupier. Comportes-tu de la ville? Mon cœur entier et les gardes de la ville courant sur mon chartier. Qu'apportes-tu dans la ville, mon cœur pour me marier? Que de cœur dans Orcanise, les gardes riaient, riaient. Va du pied la route est grise, l'amour grise au chartier. Les bocardes de la ville tricotaient superbement, puis les portes de la ville se fermèrent lentement. Crino continued to perform into his nineties. And in the 70s and 80s, he made a marvelous series of recordings of French Melodie, another Swiss singer who was the god of the Melodie, someone that we can set alongside Pierre Bernac and Gérard Souzet, is the sublime Charles Panzera. Panzera was born in Geneva in 1896 and died in Paris. 80 years later. He sang operatic roles, including, most beguilingly, Peleas, but it was through his performance of Melodie and, to a certain extent, German leader, that he really made his reputation. He was in active combat in World War I and wounded twice which makes it all the more moving that Gabriel Fauré, who was the director of the Conservatoire when Panzerat was a student there, dedicated his final song cycle, L'Horizon Chimérique, to Panzerat, who appeared in the first performance of this piece in 1922. These songs are set poems by Jean de la Ville de Mirmont, who was also on the front in World War I but, unfortunately, was killed there in November 1914. The theme of this cycle is the longing for the sea, which is particularly touching when one considers the context in which some of these poems were written. I'm going to offer the third song from the L'Horizon Chimérique cycle, not from the recording that Ponserat and his wife Magdalene Bayot Ponserat 
who was his official and permanent pianist, made shortly after the premiere, but rather a recording from 1937 of the complete cycle that somehow seems to me to have the edge, both interpretively and vocally. Diane Celini is an invocation to the moon. O oh moon, I covet your clarity. That is an insult to the vain turmoil of poor souls. And my heart, ever weary and restless, aspires toward the peace of your nocturnal flame. Diane, c'est les nuits de vos métal qui reflète vers nous par ta face déserte dans l'immortel ennui du calme sidéral. Le regret d'un soleil dont nous pleurons la perte. Ô lune, je t'avais de ton lapidité, injurieuse au trouble des pauvres While we're on the subject of Charles Ponsera, I'd like to offer him to you in another selection as well. We're going to hear an excerpt from the oratorio La Danse des Morts by Swiss composer Arthur Honegger, which was composed in 1938 and once again premiered by Ponsera and the conductor heard here, Charles Munch. The texts were assembled and collected by the French poet Paul Claudel from biblical texts. Honegger was a master of the oratorio. Two of his other very famous pieces are Le Roi David and Jeanne d'Arc au Bûcher, Joan of Arc at the Stake, both of which feature a narrator brought into the mix, as does this piece. But this third movement, Lamento, is composed for baritone and orchestra alone. Oneguer was inspired by those gruesome medieval woodcuts of the Dance of Death and used that as an inspiration to reflect the dread and uncertainty that he and so many others felt as the world was on the brink of war. que je suis poussière et que je retournerai en poussière 
rendez-vous. Ayez pitié de moi, vous du moins, qui vous disiez, mes amis, parce que la main du Seigneur m'a touché. Mes os se sont desséchés comme du bois. Et il ne me reste plus que les dents autour de la bouche. Qui est l'homme pour que tu le magnifies et pour que vous lui attachiez votre cœur Tu le visites au point du jour. Et l'épreuve commence pour lui aussitôt. Jusque à quand sera ce que tu oublies de m'épargner et que tu ne me laisses pas le temps que j'avale ma salive. Ma vie est comme le vent qui souffle et ma substance devant toi est comme rien. L'homme né de la femme et qui vit peu, tu vois de quelle misère, Seigneur, il est rempli. Il s'élève comme une fleur et aussitôt, il est brisé. Il fuit comme l'ombre et jamais il ne demeure dans le même état. De cette espèce que tu juges digne de toi d'ouvrir les yeux et de l'amener devant toi en jugement. Et il est vrai que j'ai péché. Qui peut faire pur quelque chose né d'une semence qui ne l'est pas? Toi seul, toi seul, qui a fixé le nombre de ses mois et constitué devant lui ce terme qui ne saurait dépasser.
Je verrai ce Dieu qui est mon sauveur. I think by now it's clear that, as with my episode on Ukraine, I'm featuring not only singers, but also composers of note from the country that's being featured. I did a short tribute last spring to the composer Rudolf Kelterboen, who had died in March of 2021 at the age of 89. He was famous for his five operas, including a setting of Chekhov's Cherry Orchard, but also for his instrumental music and his vocal chamber music. This next selection, Was soll ich antworten, comes from the collection Ensemble Buch 1. This is a song cycle for baritone with instrumental interludes of poems by Erika Burkhardt. The baritone is Kurt Widmer, another Swiss singer who, at the age of 81, is also still with us. He is a singer who has focused on concert repertoire, ranging from Baroque to contemporary music such as this piece. What should I answer, voice of light, when through the glowing silence you hand me a new name? Whom shall I tell that at night... I'm terrified by the twinkling of the old stars, and that I am confused because today is a day that passed a thousand years ago. This is a live recording from 1991.
Next, we're going to return to some traditional leader repertoire and to a singer that we have previously heard, the magnificent Lisa della Casa. This is her performance of Brahms's song Die Mainacht from a live recital that she gave in Tokyo in 1970 when she was aged 51. She was in the twilight of her career for she retired in 1974 at the age of 55. The spring that is evoked in this song, set to a text by Ludwig Hölti, is a much less exuberant season than the one that we heard depicted in the first selection today, Strauss's setting of Hermann Hesse's poem Frühling. Here, the poet is distressed to see a loving pair of doves as he's walking through the forest at night, and it unleashes a torrent of regret and, let's call it what it is, self-pity, but so beautifully set by Brahms and interpreted by Lisa della Casa, and her pianist Michio Kobayashi. Thank you. 
now I'm going to offer you another Brahms song from a singer that it might surprise you to know was a Swiss citizen. That's the African-American singer Gloria Davy, who made the majority of her life and career in Europe following her participation in the very famous Porgy and Bess tour that was sponsored by the U.S. State Department. In 1957, she made a number of recordings for London Records, including a very rare recital album with the Italian pianist Giorgio Favaretto accompanying her. I finally got my hands on a copy of this, and there's some very, very beautiful singing on here, and I think that her performance of the song Imma Leise wird mein Schlummer is a real highlight. Brahms is famous for setting less than distinguished texts, and though I would say that this poem by Hermann Ling qualifies as a less distinguished text than the Hölti one that Brahms set in Die Meinacht, I still think this is one of Brahms's most devastating songs. The narrator is a young person who's dying and elicits this call to her neglectful lover to come and visit her one last time before the May breezes blow and the thrush sings in the wood.
In this next selection, both composer and singer have strong ties to the United States. This is an excerpt from the Swiss composer Ernest Bloch's setting of the Jewish liturgical service called Avodat HaKodesh. Bloch composed the work in 1939 after having spent many years in the United States, teaching composition first at Manus, then at the Cleveland Institute, then at the San Francisco Conservatory, returning to Switzerland in 1930. After that 10-year return to Switzerland, during which, as I say, he composed the Avodat HaKodesh, he returned to the United States, where he helped found the Music Academy of the West, alongside Lotte Lehmann. He died in 1959 at the age of 79. Ten years before that, he recorded the Avodat HaKodesh, and the baritone, who is the cantor here, is the Croatian baritone Marco Rotmüller, who lived from 1908 to 1993. Because, like Bloch, he was Jewish, he fled his burgeoning German opera career in 1933 and returned briefly to Croatia before emigrating to Switzerland, where he was a lead baritone at the Zurich Opera until he left for the United States where he became a voice teacher at Indiana University and also performed at the Met. He sang all the important Wagner and Verdi roles, as well as the title role in Alban Berg's Wozzeck, with whom he also studied as a composition student. He also perfected the role of Wozzeck with Erich Kleiber, who conducted the premiere of the work, and with whom Rothmüller participated in performances in the UK in the early 1950s. But this, the Avodat HaKodesh, is a completely different world than that of Wozzeck. I'm going to play you a portion of the conclusion of the first movement, the so-called meditation. This was recorded in 1949 in London and was not sung in the original Hebrew, but rather in English translation. And thou shalt love him, thou shalt love him, thy Lord God, with all thy heart and all thy soul. Shalt love him with all thy might. These words which I command thee, this work shall be on thy heart this day, be on thy heart this day. And thou shalt teach them thy children, and of them shalt speak, when by thy heart thou sittest, and when thou walkest on the way. 
Now I'm going to focus on the work of two of the most significant and compelling Swiss composers, Ottmar Schuck and Franck Martin, in performances by some of the greatest Swiss singers. First up is Ottmar Schuck, who lived from 1886 to 1957 and is no doubt most 
celebrated for his lieder and song cycles, many of which have instrumental accompaniment. But he also composed five spectacular operas, and it is quite possible that I might feature him on his very own episode at some point, because I have just been getting into him big time lately, and I hope that the examples that I'm going to play for you will demonstrate why. First, let's have an example of his leader, and who better to sing it for us than the soprano Maria Stader, who lived from 1911 to 1999. She was born in Budapest, and because of the hardships of World War I, she was sent via the Salvation Army to Switzerland, where, after a little bit of back and forth between Budapest and Switzerland, she eventually was adopted by a family named Stader. In 1939, she married Hans Erismann, a pianist who later became the chor director at the Zurich Opera House. Among her teachers was Giannina Arangi Lombardi and Therese Beerschnabel, who was the wife of Arthur Schnabel. Because of her short stature, she was only four foot nine inches tall. She seldom sang opera, but she made a number of really significant Mozart opera recordings with the conductor Ferenc Fritschai. Her career lasted through 1969, and she was highly celebrated not only for her Mozart singing, but also her Bach singing. So I'm sorry not to bring you more of Maria Stadter because she is an exceptional singer, but I am going to offer you a short excerpt from a 1958 leader recital recording that she made, and that is of Ottmar Schuck's song, Das bescheidene Wünschlein, The Humble Wish. This is a setting of a poem by Karl Spitteler. When I was very young, if I had been asked what I might wish for, I would have asked mostly for possessions, picture books, toys. As I grew older, I wanted for myself a proud name as a hero, as a revolutionary. But now, as my life ebbs to an end, I have only one humble wish. When I was a child, always before I would fall asleep, I would hear the ringing of a bell, and I would like more than anything else to know now from whence that sound emanated. The pianist here is Karl Engel. Oh. 
I would love to play you at least three or four more songs by Ottmar Schuck, but I'm going to have to content myself with a single one, and that is his setting of the Eduard Mörke poem Peregrina. The poem was inspired by Mörke's real-life meeting with a young, mysterious woman named Maria, with whom he had a tragic relationship. It's performed here by the tenor Ernst Hefliger, who lived from 1919 to 2007, and whom I actually heard sing in recital in Milwaukee in his, well, as an elderly singer, let's be honest, having studied with, among others, Julius Patzak in Vienna, he dedicated himself primarily to leader and concert repertoire, and became established early on as one of the great interpreters of the evangelist in Bach's Passions. Eventually, his career also embraced the operatic repertoire as well, and he's one of the most celebrated interpreters of the tenor part in Mahler's Das Lied von der Erde, a recording of which I had as a kid, and it was one of my most prized recordings. In this 1967 recording, Hefliger is accompanied by the Swiss pianist and conductor Karl Grenacher. Ein Irrsaal 
Mondscheingärten einer einst heiligen Liebe. Schaudernd entdeckt ich verjährten Betrug und mit weinendem Blick doch grausam ließ ich das schlanke zauberhafte
we are not yet going to abandon either Otmarschuk or Ernst Hefliger. Instead, I'm going to offer you an excerpt from Schuck's dramatic cantata vom Fischer und seiner Fru, which is inspired by and based on the story by the Brothers Grimm of the fisherman and his wife. A poverty-stricken fisherman sets an enchanted fish free and asks nothing in return. Upon hearing of this, his wife commands him to return to the fish and demand proper compensation for having saved the fish's life. First, she asks that their hovel be replaced with a respectable hut, but upon gaining this wish, she merely becomes more and more demanding, until, after having been made consecutively king, emperor, and pope, she finally demands to be made god, upon which the fish responds, go back home, She's once again in the hovel. We're going to hear the portion from the man's call to the fish that his wife wants to be Pope to, through her demand that she be made God, and finally, the fish's response. This performance is from the year 1964 and features Hefliger as the fisherman and the Ukrainian mezzo-soprano Ira Malaniuk, whom we heard a couple weeks ago, as his wife. About Ira Malaniuk, she also, like Gloria Davy, was a naturalized Swiss citizen. As the fish, we hear the bass Peter Lager, also a celebrated Swiss singer, whose brother, Alexander Malta, was also a singer who appeared on opera stages around the world. <laughs>
Next, we encounter the composer Franck Martin. He lived from 1890 to 1974 and spent a good deal of his life in the Netherlands. He wrote three operas, among which the most famous was no doubt 
his setting of Shakespeare's The Tempest. But he also was a master of the oratorio, and many of his compositions have a religious bent to them, including the so-called Maria Triptikon that was written for the soprano Irmgard Seyfried and her husband, the violinist Wolfgang Schneiderhan, who in fact appears in this live performance from Lucerne in 1984. Since by this point, Seyfried had retired from singing, the soprano part here is taken by that favorite of mine, Edith Matis. I'm going to play the first movement for you today, the Ave Maria, where the angel Gabriel comes to tell Mary that she's going to bear the child Jesus.
One of Franck Martin's most compelling compositions is his six monologues from Jeder Mann, or Every Man, which is originally a late 15th century morality play, and in this configuration had a restructured text by none other than Hugo von Hofmannsthal, Strauss's frequent operatic collaborator. During World War II, Franck Martin set six of the monologues that Hofmannsthal translated for the character of every man. I'm going to play the second one for you, Ach Gott, wie graust mich vor dem Tod, in which the wealthy every man seeks to assuage his fear of death through greater acquisition of wealth, a pursuit which, of course, proves fruitless in the end. This recording is from 1956 and features the composer himself on the piano. The singer is the bass baritone Heinz Reifus, who, like many others that we've heard today, became a naturalized Swiss citizen during the time that he was a member of the company of the Zurich Opera from 1940 to 1952. Eventually, like some others we've heard today, he also settled in the United States, where he taught at Eastman and also at the Music Conservatory of Quebec in Montréal. He died at the age of 71 in 1988. Schweiß bricht mir aus vor Not. Kann dir die Seele im Leib uns morden? Was ist ein Gelings aus mir worden? Hab immer doch in bösen Stunden mir irgendeinen Trost ausgefunden. War nie verlassen, ganz und gar, nie kein erbärmlich armer Narr. War immer vor doch noch ein Halt und hab's gewendet mit Gewalt. Sind all denn meine Kräfte hin und als verworren schon mein Sinn? Was mich kaum mehr besinnen kann, wer bin ich denn, ihr jedermann, ihr reicher jedermann allzeit? Das ist mein Hand, das ist mein Kleid, und was da steht auf diesem Platz, das ist mein Geld, das ist mein Schatz, das den ich jederzeit mit Macht, aber alles for me Nun wird mir wohl, dass ich den sie recht bei der Hand in meiner Nähe. Wenn ich bei dem verharren kann, geht mich kein Graus und Ängsten an. Weh 
aber ich muss ja dorthin. Das kommt mir jählings in den Sinn. Der Boot war da, die Ladung ist beschehen. Nun heißt es auf und dorthin gehen. Nicht ohne dich, du musst mit mir, lass dich um alles. Du musst jetzt in ein anderes Haus. I believe I mentioned that Martin, like Oneguer, was a master of the oratorio and wrote a number of really significant works in that genre. Surely one of the most important is his wartime composition In Terra Pax, which is set to a collection of religious texts. The piece was commissioned by Swiss Radio in 1944 and was premiered by the Swiss conductor Ernest Ansermé, conducting the Orchestre de la Suisse Romande, which he had founded himself in the year 1918. The tenor soloist on that occasion was none other than Ernst Hefliger, and in this studio recording from the year 1963, we also hear Hefliger once again. The section we are going to hear begins with the words, Sentinelle, que dis-tu de la nuit? Watchman, tell us of the night. And we also hear the section that follows it, Mais les ténèbres ne régneront pas toujours, but darkness will not endure forever upon the earth. The singers that we hear alongside Hefliga are the soprano Ursula Buckel, German-born, who also had a significant career and life in Switzerland, and the Swiss-born bass Jakob Stempfli, who, among other things, was a noted Bach interpreter. Thank you. 
off the episode, I have two very brief songs. First, one by the Swiss composer Jean Binet. And no, in spite of what his name sounds like, and in spite of what Google thinks I'm asking for, I am not talking about you-know-who. Rather, I'm speaking of the composer Jean Binet, who lived from 1893 to 1960. Like Ernest Bloch and so many others, he also spent time in the United States, where, in 1919, he formed the first Jacques Dalcroze school, and we will speak of Jacques Dalcroze in just a moment. He also studied with Ernest Bloch and eventually returned to Switzerland to devote himself entirely to composition. We're going to hear from his cycle, Chansons du Mal au Coeur, Songs of Heartache, the final song of the cycle, Chansons pour les Nuages, Song for the Clouds, set to a poem by the Swiss author and poet Jean Cutat. The poem is a meditation on the wind, the movement of the clouds, heartsickness, and the eventual wish for the dissipation of the clouds and the settling of peace into the heart. The song is performed once again by the inimitable Hugues Crino, accompanied by the pianist Pierre Agerter from the year 1984, when Crino was only 82 years old. Que chanterai-je de plus pur? Ne sommes-nous pas ce nuage que le vent roule dans l'azur? Beau matelot du mal au cœur, bravo la houle de nos pleurs. Être vivant. Ah, 
Thank you so much for joining me today. I know this was another long episode. I can't seem to keep my enthusiasm down. There's always so much material that I want to present, but I hope that you have all discovered that these episodes can easily be listened to in segments. The final song today is a composition, words and music, by none other than Émile Jacques Dalcroze, who was not only the developer of Dalcroze's Eurythmics, but also a composer in his own right. He lived from 1865 to 1950, and with his discovery of Arab folk music, he realized the importance of rhythm in musical expression and how rhythm finds its most perfect expression in the human body, which Jacques Dalcroz considered to be the supreme musical instrument. Of course, he inspired many great choreographers, as well as the great acting teacher, Konstantin Stanislavski. His songs are very touching, simple tunes about connection with nature. A recording of six of them was made in 1957 by the Swiss baritone Pierre Mollet. Pierre Mollet lived from 1920 to 2007, and he had important connections with a number of musicians that we've discussed over the course of today's episode. First of all, he was a pupil of Charles Ponzerat. Second of all, probably his strongest professional connection was with the conductor Ernest Ancerné, with whom he recorded Peleas and numerous works over the course of his career. He became a naturalized Canadian citizen in 1974 and left us with some of the most sublime recordings of French Melodie. The recordings that he made in 1957 of the songs of Jacques Dalcroze, I think, are so incredibly touching and beautifully sung. And I'm going to offer you the song Solitude. The song describes the feeling of aloneness the poet feels because his beloved is gone. But in the second verse, he concludes, The fog over the Alps can't last forever. Soon the sun will return and the sky will be blue. And in the same way, soon my love will return to me and my heart will tremble like a leaf.
Friends, keep the song in your hearts. I'm Daniel Gundlach. <laughs>